Welcome to the ETOP Podcast with your host, Richard Walsh. I'm a 30-year business-owning veteran, creator of the ETOP Academy, and best-selling author of Escape the Owner Prison, the contract's new way to scale, regain control, and fast-track growth while loving life. My mission to help 10,000 business owners create the freedom in their lives to do what they want, when they want, and still be massively successful. Now, let's hit our topic for the day. All right, here we are back with the ETOP podcast and my guest today, Eric Dickman, founder of the Five Echelon Group. He is actually a virtual CMO. So when it comes down to marketing, small and mid-sized businesses are his focus, All right? So he helps these businesses that might not have permanent people, right? The permanent marketing group, the permanent, um, you know, people actually directing their marketing, he helps them get that off the ground manage it for them. Again, virtual means you're outsourcing this and uh, it provides a lot of value to someone who's maybe they're not tied in the marketing as well as they should be. A lot of businesses are not. And uh, so I'm excited to talk to Eric today because we are going to get into this and the value he brings to other businesses and how he's going to help elevate your business and other businesses in general. Um, so with no further ado, let's get into it. Eric Dickman, come on board. How are you doing today? Richard, thanks so much for having me on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. I love having you, man. I'm excited to talk about this because I am very interested in marketing. I'm not, as I tell people, the great marketer. I know a lot about it, but there's a difference. Okay. <laughs> there's a difference yeah. between knowing and doing, right? Big difference. Exactly. It, there is a big difference, right? We all have to pick our areas of expertise and uh, let others help us where we don't have that skill. Right. You know, what, what, what I love about what you're doing here, being the virtual CMO is, is, as I teach in Escape the Owner Prison, we always teach about outsourcing, right? There's, I mean, there's things you want to outsource, things you don't want to outsource, of course, but marketing is one of those that most, especially small to mid-sized companies outsource, right? They really need to. And, but it's difficult, okay? It's difficult to get a cohesive marketing plan by outsourcing because so many people have their very finite in what they're able to do and it can be very confusing and costly. So let's, right. let's, let's bring us up to speed on exactly how you got into this, where you're at now, what you're doing for people as I do with all my guests. So kind of get us up to speed here, Eric. Yeah. So I'll give you the short version. Um, so I spent about 30 years in the corporate world, uh, spent about uh, 18 of those years working for a big company, Oracle out in Redwood Shores, California, soon to be moving to Austin, I guess. But uh, you know, when I was interacting with these big companies, I saw the tremendous resources that they had to be able to bring their products and services to market. But my love is really for small and mid-sized businesses because let's face it, you know, small and mid-sized businesses, they're the lifeblood of the economy. And so I really wanted to say, what can I do? How can I take the skills that I've learned over all this time and help those not only in my community, but those in industries that I'm passionate about really improve the trajectory of their marketing activities. Because so often what I see happening is maybe inside a small business, there's, you know, a couple junior level people that do marketing, or maybe there's somebody who's a VP of sales and marketing. So it's a, it's a side job for them. And anytime something's a side job for you, you know, you're not going to give it the tension and the focus that it deserves. So I really wanted to kind of branch out on my own, take my skills, uh, build a company to help these businesses really execute um, marketing that can truly help, you know, their companies grow. Because obviously, if you're in business, you want to grow. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you made a good point there, the, the side jobs. You yeah. know, when you give people multiple specialties, okay? Uh, I talk about this a lot. When you see someone with a truck or a van specializing in and they got 12 things, like you're not a specialist in 12 things, okay? That's exactly <laughs> so you need, right. to, you need to understand when you start breaking those tasks up in a company, it's very bad. You know, I mean, because because they, they, they need to, the main thing needs to be the main thing for them because that whatever gets divided from the main thing is going to get a half hearted effort. And it's just human nature. It's just how it is. You know, you you don't want to have that. So uh, I really appreciate what you're bringing to the marketplace here. And you're right about the the, the small mid sized businesses being the backbone uh, of the economy is true. And I think what what we've seen this year, 20 or last year, 2020 is a big shift where they were actually penalized for being small and midsize and the big okay. guys got the big the big step up right so yeah. we need to regain that foothold right and i Absolutely. think what you yeah what you offer and we're going to talk about this i think is is one of those ways for uh, a small mid-sized business to increase their presence because what really is the bigger businesses right they just have a greater presence right eric they do. They have a greater presence. They have greater brand awareness. And I think what you see, you, you know, why do Pepsi and why do Coke, why do they advertise? It's not like we don't all know about Pepsi and Coke, but what they're doing is they're trying to stay top of mind. You know, they don't know exactly when you're going to the grocery store, but if they're going to run an ad, you know, during some program that you're watching in the evening and you're planning to go to the grocery store tomorrow, you're top of mind. You just saw that ad and so, oh yeah, I need to stock up on some more, more Coke products. That's why they do it. And I think what happens with a lot of small and mid-sized businesses is they look at marketing as something that they do when they can. It's, it's a bonus. And you know, there's a lot of thought process out there with a lot of companies that when I get bigger, I can spend more money on marketing. Well, think about that. You know, you you spend money to get bigger. Um, and it, it's, putting off things that are never going to happen because you're always going to have some other priority that's going to seem to take place of it. You need to sort of make marketing a priority so that you can be consistent about it. And it's that consistency that builds brand awareness that helps people recognize you and helps draw business in to your company. Yeah, that's a good point. We talk about this often. I have different marketers and different marketing strategies. We talk about a lot on the podcast here and, and I think it's, this is a continual theme, right? I'll hear from everyone because this is what I think, just like you said, a lot of businesses don't get, you know, they you never want to, you never really want to slow down your marketing, right? You never no. want to put it on pause. Nope. People tell me that I have too much business. So I pause the marketing. Well, I got to, we got to talk. Okay. <laughs> cause, cause you, you, what you need to be doing is working on solving the problem of having too much business and handling the business, not stopping the business. Because you're exactly. going to create a lull, you hit the brakes for two months, you don't just turn it back on and instantly you have stuff happening. It's like starting from scratch almost. You know, you're, you're, you're reintroducing yourself, you're getting out there. And again, like you said, you're not staying in front of mind. So I think it's really important that people need to understand, you know, the, the consistency aspect of marketing and how powerful it is. And really that it's, it's something that the companies need to dedicate to their success. That's so right. And, you know, businesses need to be honest with themselves and really understand their sales cycle. I worked for a guy once and the products that we were selling, on average, they had an 18 month sales cycle. It was a, it was a long term sales cycle. 
but yet he would come into my office and he would say, well, I need some new leads this month. We're a little shy, you know, on our pipeline. Well, okay. So it takes 18 months to sort of nurture somebody from, you know, their initial interest to when they became a buyer. And you want to come to me this month and say, I need some more leads. It doesn't work that way. You have to understand your buying your buyer's behavior and how long it takes. So, you know, if you're a, a contractor, you're a builder and you know, you're, you're selling your building services. I doubt very much that somebody is just going to come in one day, most of the fact and say, I want to do business with you, right? It's going to be, well, they're going to see that you built some homes. Maybe there was a parade of homes or something where you had a, a home on display. They looked at it. You made some contacts. They made some inquiries. It takes time, but you need to stay top of mind during that entire process because people will look around, they'll get distracted. There'll be other things that'll catch their attention. And what you want to be is you want to be front and center in a way that's not invasive, but in a way that is providing value. Um, and so I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. They wait until the trough, you know, starts to dry out and then they say, oh, fill it back up, turn on the faucet, you know, fill this thing up with some, some leads and potential buyers. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, you know when we use the term pipeline all the time, right? You got to yeah. fill your pipeline. Well, you know, if you take, you know, if, if you take a pipe, whether it's, you know, three foot wide or 10 foot wide, okay, it just doesn't fill right up. You know, you start, you, you get trickling out the end when you first turn it on and then eventually it comes gushing out, right? If you maintain the flow and That's you right. keep increasing the flow. So you have to think about it that way. And if you shut it off, guess what? The pipe's going to empty again. You're going to start the process over. Like you said, if a guy's got an 18 month sales cycle, holy cow. Okay. You cannot take your foot off the gas. Nope. I mean, you'll, you'll be, hey, you'll have dry periods. Like it'll probably put you out of business, right? I mean, you have times where it's like, I went three months without a sale. You know, you can't do that. Once you get in the cycle, you know, it's like if you do, uh, I tell people if you do municipal contracts and things like that, well, that's 90 to 120 day pay. City of Chicago, I just want, that's 120 days is fast pay for them. All right. If you're not on that cycle of that, of that 120 days, you got to keep getting more and more business. If you're looking to be in that, in that, um, in that field, that area of, of, of attracting that business. Oh my gosh, you're talking about, you got to still make payroll. You got all your, you know, payables, you got everything going on and six months is a long time to wait for your money. You know, so you've got to have this constant turnover of work in order to be, you know, sustainable. That's right. It's, it's, the consistency, it's putting your message out there in a way that builds awareness, builds trust, you know, adding value before the actual sale. And I think that's an important piece too. It's really this idea of how can you add value even before somebody's a customer, because that helps build trust. You know, there are certain businesses, maybe a restaurant would be an example here, where they can be promotion driven, right? They can send out a mailer that's got a coupon, you know, $5 off your next meal or something. And you can send that out and you can see pretty quick results from that. But then what happens? Now you've sort of trained your customers that, oh, okay, these guys send out coupons. So I'm going to wait until I get the next coupon before I go back and, and patronize these uh, restaurants again. You know, there's no <laughs> bad analogy. There's no free lunch, right? There's you're paying for it in one way or another. So I think it's important to understand, you know, what are your buyer sales cycles? How long does it take? What do you need to do to keep that message in front of them and add value along the way? And then your marketing plan should be built to support that, whether it's through digital channels, whether it's through, um, 
you know, things that you do maybe through social media, whether it's through advertising, however it may be, you've got to figure out a plan to reach those buyers consistently. Yeah, you know, you another thing that I think that I'm sure you develop as well is like, let's use the coupon aspect, right? So yeah, you get five or 10 bucks off a meal, people come in, but here's the thing, there's, there's more to it than just giving that coupon. You got to think, well, because what's it about? It's about information, right? It's about capturing the clients. Okay, right. walking in with a $5 coupon, it's done. It's over. They leave. They never come back, like you said, till the next coupon. You don't know who they are. Right. You don't have a way to stay in touch with them, you know? So maybe you create the digital coupon that they have to actually get by putting in their name and email. Boop, they're on your list, right? And yep. then you walk them up, right? Now, now you create, you give them a $5 discount. That's great. That's your low barrier offer. Right. That's the here's five bucks off. Come on in as a value ladder. What's next, though? Where can you take them? Right. What, what kind of, extru- you know, how can they go up and spend more money in your restaurant? What will make them want to come back and actually spend more instead of taking money off? How do they actually give you more? Right. How would you create that kind of plan? That's how I look at it. You know, like I need to I need to take them up the value ladder. Like you're saying, if you create the value and the experience and everything else and you incentivize them to come in and incentivizing doesn't always mean a discount. Right. You know, it could be VIP treatment. It could be all kinds of cool stuff. You can create some really, you got to, got to be a little innovative, but you can create some pretty amazing things depending on your restaurant or the offer and how you can do it. I just think it's a smart way to go when it comes down to marketing. Well, I think sometimes, you know, we all get caught up in the hype around certain things. Oh, I need to go run some Facebook ads or, oh, I need to, you know, put all this stuff on my website. Well, take a look at your existing customer base. Uh, What can you do? Let me give you just a, a real simple example. So I'm one of these strange guys who actually mows my own lawn. And every once in a while, I've had business trips where I've gonna, I'm gonna be gone. And so I'm not gonna be able to get to it. And so my neighbor has a yard service that that does his yard. So I've reached out to them on occasion say, Hey, you know, in June, I'm going to be gone a lot. Would you mind just taking care of my yard in June? Have they ever followed up with me proactively? Hey, I see, you know, uh, we're in the neighborhood all the time. You know, we're doing your neighbor's lawn. You know, we'd love just to do your lawn for you consistently. They're right next door. They could literally pull the truck up, do two lawns as opposed to one. It would hardly take them any additional time. It would be an easy win, but they've never followed up with me. Anything that I would do would have to be proactively going to them. And I think this is where businesses often uh, just miss the boat. It's exactly what you're talking about. There are people that are doing business with you, but are you leveraging that? Are you using that? Are you building a list so that you can market the to these people? Are you seeing, oh, they bought this. So what would be the next logical product that I could put in front of them for them to sell? Have I ever followed up with them to see if they liked what they purchased? How are you exploiting your existing customer base or your existing prospect base rather than focusing on, oh, I've got to spend all of this money to you know find new people in the marketplace? Yeah, that's important too but start with what you've got. Yeah. I always tell people if someone spent money with you once, the chances are very high, unless it was an awful experience, they're going to spend money with you again. You need right. to capitalize on that. Just like you're saying, they should be pitching you. They should be showing the, the value of your time. They should be explaining to you, Eric, this is the value of your time. Now we can cut it 
for, you know, $25 a month or a week or whatever it is, right? So let me ask you, are you worth more than, you know, 25 bucks for an hour, hour and a half of your time? I right. think you are, right? So I think this, what can you make in an hour and a half when you're not cutting the ground, you know, cutting the grass? And you could, you could develop some cool marketing pitches that way in a really nice, friendly, fun way that will really make people think, though, again, very open, not a, not, a neg- not a negative dig, like, hey, aren't you smarter than this? But really like, hey, this is what we do for people. Right. That's right. We, we, we give them the time to go make more, be more, be with their family more, do this stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, and it, it works out well. But like you said, if you don't keep the contact with people, that's what it's all about. I call it lifetime profitable value when you get a customer. We do a lot of roofing and things like that. Well, yeah, you're going to get a roof every 20, 30 years. Do you think I only want to see you once every 20 or 30 years? You know, right. there's other things I exterior work. I do. You have other needs. You have referrals. You have you you're endless. You have to stay in contact. That list is worth a lot of money, you know, over the lifetime of that customer. A 20 or 30 year period is worth. It could be a seven figure deal, depending yes. on what you do. I, I talked that about car dealers. I'm me, my wife and I and our six children. We are worth seven figures to the right car dealer. Sure. Right. Over the next 25 years. OK. And if they and they don't talk to me. Okay, they don't send emails, so I never go back there because there's a lot of car dealers. But you you need to court me, okay? We need to have a court. You never get to marry me, but you get to court me for the next twenty years, right? right. So I want to I, I want you to maintain your interest, okay? I want to see you care, you know. So that's an important aspect that you're talking about. I love it. Well, you know, I, let's use this roofing example. I love it because you know I live down here in Florida. The sun, you know beats down everything that we have here. Uh, things don't last as long as they uh, are said to last. So a 20 year roof is not really going to last you 20 years down here. But when I look around my neighborhood, what I see is people changing technologies, right? I see, you know, people putting on tile roofs. I see people putting on uh, a metal roofs. I see a lot of interest, you know, where the sunshine state in these Tesla solar roofs. So even if you might not have this customer again for 10, 15 years, if you were putting out a newsletter that said, hey, I want to talk to you about some really cool innovations that are happening with metal roofs now, you can get ones that look like tile, you can get ones that have this, and oh, by the way, this Tesla roof thing, that sounds really exciting, you know, uh, it's maybe not ready for prime time yet, but it's coming, here are some things you want to do, or hey, what if you want to put solar panels on your roof, here are the things to watch out for, so as to not to damage your roof. You're adding all of this value and maybe the customer that you're sending it to is still not going to be in the market for another five, 10 years. But when somebody asks them to say, Hey, do you know a good roofer? Oh yeah. There's this guy that did my roof. He just sent me this newsletter about some cool things. Let me forward it to you. That's where you can really leverage your existing customer base by putting out things of value, not necessarily with an expectation that tomorrow they're going to be a buyer, but you're building that trust, you're building that reputational value, and that goes a long way. You know, we've got these apps like uh, Nextdoor and other things where people are constantly asking for recommendations. You don't think that if you're sending out a newsletter that provides real value, that you're gonna stay top of mind, and when somebody says, hey, I need a recommendation on a roofer, that somebody's not gonna say, oh, hey, yeah, uh, there's this guy he put on my roof, I forgot, yeah, he sent me this newsletter, let me give you his contact info. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think it's, we go back to what we started saying in the beginning, you've got to stay front of mind. You've got to find ways to be innovative this way, right? And there's a lot of really cool ways just in in that industry alone. Like you're saying, there's so much technology and people like new stuff. 
right? Oh, yeah. Or if it's a cost savings. Like you said, and, and the, honestly, the industry average for changing roofs is 15 years. Okay. That seems when it comes down to color changes and hail damage and everything else that happens, you're looking at 15 year, a 15 year cycle on those. Right. And you don't always, too many guys get into looking for the next new customer mm-hmm. and they just forget, Oh, we'll see you in 30 years. You know, and they laugh and like, it's just the wrong attitude. You know, like what I do is I, I offer a free inspection every year after we install the roof, you know, we're going to, I want to get up there and make sure it's doing what we installed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my sales call. I see the windows are looking bad. The siding's bad. You know, whatever you got going on, you stay front of mind. They get this for the whole, if I have a 10 or 20 year warranty, whatever it is I have on my, on my workmanship warranty, I, that's how long they get the free inspection. You know, and it's a great tool. You let them know you're coming. There'll be a guy on the roof and Hey, how's everything else? And you just, you just create that relationship with them because you want the referrals. You know, even if you don't sell them windows or siding or anything else, you, the, that, that referral in the revenue that's 10, 20,000 or more. That's a lot of money. That referral is a very prized thing to get. It can, it can comprise a big portion of your business when done right. So the marketing aspect is so critical. You know, I just, I, that's, I, it's, it's hard not to emphasize that more. It's really a big deal. It is. And, you know, those referrals are worth so much money because when somebody personally refers you, uh, the, what they're doing is they're also passing, passing on a layer of trust. So you don't necessarily have to build the trust in the same way because they're trusting the person who made the referral. And so that's a huge win. It gives you a big leg up on the, on the competition. And, you know, we're also living in an age of, you know, Google reviews um, and, you know, places like uh, Yelp for certain businesses, or like we said, uh, apps like Nextdoor where people are exchanging information you know, I go to places like that all the time. If I'm looking for somebody, you know, who's got a good deal on bark chips or, you know, uh, somebody's put out a notice that, oh, the city's giving away free trees, you know, things like that. You can go to these resources that are non-traditional and they're not paid resources, but if you build that, that value with those customers, they will give you good reviews and those reviews and those referrals can be huge for your business. And honestly, you're not spending a lot of money. Like you said, maybe it's just a little investment in time um, to go out and make sure these people feel recognized. Yeah, I think, you know, online reviews, as I always tell people, I go, it's the new word of mouth. Yeah. You know, people go and they're looking for it. I, I used a comparison. One of my uh, presentations was, here's two, here's two roofers. You know, this, this guy's got 57 reviews, five-star reviews. This guy has two. Okay. And they're like two and a half stars total. Right. So like, so who are you going to go? Well, initially, what are you going to do? Hit the 56 review guy, probably not even going to look at the other one. I said, but here's the interesting, let me show you who these companies are. The guy with the two reviews, 35 years in the industry has won every award you could imagine does a gazillion. I mean, just, it's like, but just the fact that like you wouldn't even give them the time of day because they're not, they're not managing their reviews. They're not making that a priority. You know, I get it. Maybe they're in a different space, but the reality is they're still ranked above the other guy, you know, like they appear. Yes. You know, they have it up there, but they have no reviews. You know, it's just a good, it's just a good comparison. And there's nothing wrong with the guy with the 57 reviews. He's great. Right. But he focused on that and he's growing exponentially, you know, because of that stuff. So it's important to understand there's a lot of aspects to marketing um, that I don't think people consider, you know, and here's the thing. That's why I, I love having you on here too, Eric, is because it is multifaceted. Okay. That's why the part-timer in the office doing it is going to, it's going to be a disaster. Because there's no way they can keep up with this for one, 
Okay, they don't know the new trends. They don't know what's happening. They, they don't put together cohesive plans to attack on many fronts. I think it's important. I know there's always, there can be a budget limitation sometimes, but the fact is you need to know what these are and make a plan to get involved with them as soon as possible, right? I think that's exactly it. You know, it's not necessarily that any specific element is all that complicated. Um, and you can exercise uh, some of these elements, you know, with some internal staff. Um, but the problem is, is to really be effective with your marketing strategy, you have to come at it from different angles. I can't tell you how many businesses I've gone to, uh, gone to their website, maybe filled out a form that said I'm interested and never hear anything. I can't tell you how many businesses I've gone to where the form doesn't even work or there's something on their website, they've got an old phone number um, that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and that is just really frustrating. If you've built credibility enough to get somebody to try to contact you and is interested, is expressing interest in doing business with you, and then you drop the ball, the chances of recovery from that are, are very, very slim. And so when you look at that, you say, okay, so I've got to have my digital presence, right? I've got to have my listings in Google. I've got to manage my reviews. I've got to manage my email communications and potential newsletters or blog posts that I may write. Now you're starting to see that it's layer upon layer upon layer of things that you really need to do. And you need to have all of this stuff synchronized and working right. And that doesn't mean that you have to spend a ton of money but it means that you, there are a lot of things that need to work together. I think the statistic that I said, or I read recently was, we are hit with something like 10,000 impressions of various things over the course of a single day. If you think about driving down the road and signage that you see, maybe something on the side of a truck or a billboard or, or whatnot, and then you come home and there are advertisements on TV and all these little boxes that show up uh, when you go to a website with different ads and your social media feeds, all of this stuff really adds up. And so we are bombarded by messages. And if you want your message to stand out, that takes some strategy work. That takes some intentional planning. And I don't care if you're a, a two-person business or you're a $25 million business. There is strategy work that needs to happen to make sure that any money or any effort that you're putting into your marketing is most effective. And that takes some planning. Yeah, it also, you know, the planning for sure, it also takes tracking right? You yes. really need to be able to quantify this and have real analytics, which I don't think there's a better time in history um, from a marketing standpoint is you can actually have the best analytics ever, right? I mean, it's so powerful from a, from a dollar standpoint too, right? You can save a ton of money by split testing and doing some other really cool stuff. And, and it, I, I love the aspect that I can get so much more for less, but at the same time, like you said, if you don't have the strategy to put the stuff together, when you mentioned the impressions, I remember going back a few years, but Yelp, who I'm not a fan of, just for the record, but, yeah. <laughs> but well, extortionists. Okay. So, <laughs> but what they, they called the pitch you, right? To advertise for them. You get 15,000 impressions, you know, every month. I'm like, impressions. I mean, it sounds cool. Like your business, 15,000. It doesn't really mean anything, mm -mm. right? It's like you said, the people get 15,000 a day in their own brain. Okay, so we, you know, what's what's the differential? That's now, but that's how they try to sell you, you know. And you fall for the five hundred bucks a month, this, and you get nothing. And you're like, what they said, fifteen thousand. But they all were leaving. And I'm going back probably five, six years ago. Uh, but I get these people into office, you know, and they want to pitch you on this. And that was always their pitch impressions. 
They're always showing all these great impressions. I'm like, impressions don't translate to dollars to me. I'm not, I'm not seeing the translation into dollars. It's a digital stamp kind of thing. You know, it's like, it's kind of weird, right? Isn't that unusual? I mean, because marketing, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we're looking about, right. We're getting a name and email. We're getting a phone number. We're getting, you know, a contact. That's our goal. Not someone who, you know, looked at the billboard or whatever. That's right. It doesn't really mean a lot unless you ultimately connect with that, that customer, that prospect. So yeah, you'd like to get an email, you'd like to get a phone number, or you want it to be something that is building towards that, towards that ultimate engagement. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Instagram. And I think one of the things that I like about Instagram is that whether I'm posting something or an advertiser is putting something up there, every post looks the same. It's not cluttered. It's not all this stuff that's coming at you in different places, different ways. It all sort of has a uniform look and feel. And I think that there are some advertisers through the algorithm, algorithms that they use that really present very specific targeted ads towards me and my likes and interests. And I don't know of any other platform that I go to where I actually like an ad um, like I do on, on Instagram because I... I genuinely like some of the products and services that are fed to me there. And I like the way that they're, they're presented. And I think ultimately that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to match your message towards your ideal buyer. You know, there, you talked about, you know, Yelp and serving up impressions. Well, there are companies that want to sell you email less here, you know, here's everybody in this zip code or everybody, you know, who knows what the criteria is. And, these people have nothing to do with you. And so the chances of you buying an email list and actually connecting with somebody are so minute, they're so small, it's really not the best way to market. You are much better at building from your existing customer base and looking to see what their interests are, understanding you know, how customers buy from you and focusing your marketing efforts to increase your presence, to increase your value in those areas. Yeah, you know, when you're talking about the specific ad and stuff and like you're watching, I think about, I saw a guy had mentioned earlier about YouTube, like, you know, when you're watching a YouTube thing or even a pocket and then an ad comes up in the middle and it stops the thing, he goes, you do know it makes us hate your product. Yes. Like, I mean, I, cause I do the same thing. When, when can I skip it? You know, yeah. when can I skip it? This is so obnoxious. Yet again, it's out there, right? Does it work? Probably a little bit. I mean, that's why they're still doing it. But I think a lot of those people, that's, to me, whoever, I, I, don't, I don't think that's effective marketing to me. Okay, I'd want to find a much different way to hit my ideal customer. You know, that's what I'm targeting after, not anyone who pops on this thing, because a lot of them are on just goofy videos. You know what I mean? So who's yeah. really your target audience? Goofballs? You know, I, I don't know. So I always look at it that way. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that that targeting aspect is so important to your business, right? And we've got tools as marketers that we've never really had before in history to be able to target people. You know, it used to be you put an ad in a newspaper. Well, that went to anybody who read the newspaper, right? Or you would do something, a mailer that went out by specific geographies because you knew that people of a certain income level or status or, or whatnot lived in that area. And now, you know, we know what people like, you know, we know where they live, we know what products they buy. You can get very targeted. And that's why platforms like Instagram and Facebook and, and Google and the results that they serve up, you know, they've gotten so good 
at presenting advertisements that match our interests. Yeah, YouTube is another strange beast. You know, I was just watching something the other day and got an ad in Spanish. I don't know how that happened, um, but it it was kind of offensive. It's like, well, I don't, I'm not a Spanish speaker. Why would you serve me an ad in Spanish? So sometimes those algorithms go haywire. And I think you have to be careful with how your brand gets associated with other things that are out there in the marketplace. Like you said, do you want your brand to be associated with some goofy uh, video? You know, maybe not. Um, so you have to be careful and understand how these ads are going to play. But yeah, the targeting tools are amazing now. Yeah, they really are. You know, I mean, information is the new oil. That's what <laughs> yes. I always say, you know, because it's, that's where it's at. I mean, that's, that's what gives marketers like you an ability to really deliver for their clients, you know, whether it's lookalike audiences or anything, you know, you start to build that. And when you, when you're able to tap into that, that deep level, what I do with a lot of my um, students in my ETOP Academy is we, we go deep into the customer avatar, like really deep, like way they think a lot of it's nonsense, but when they, you get that full understanding of who your customer is, you can really better your, your mark, your marketing, your target marketing. But that's exactly what the Facebooks, the Instagrams, that's what they're doing because you're saying what your favorite books are, your favorite movies, you're posting where you ate, what you ate, who you're hanging. Out. I mean, it just goes on. You don't even realize what information you're giving out. You know, you're, you're the, you're the marketing, you know, you're the marketing person's dream, right? You just keep giving me that info and we're going to dial this stuff in. It's unbelievably effective. So like I said before, it's, there's so many incredible tools. And like you just said, there's so many tools to really dial in your marketing in a sense Eric, I mean, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but like you don't really have an excuse for failing at marketing these days. Now, you might hire the wrong person who then fails, but I'm just saying you you, you don't really have an excuse for failing. Yeah, failure is really inaction. Um, but I do think it's important to point out that marketing is part art and part science. You know, we do have a lot of these great tools and we can, you know, find these lookalike audience focus in very specifically on people's interests. But again, there's this whole issue of capturing people's attention. And, you know, a great example is for your listeners, if they haven't ever run a Facebook ad before is, you know, there are tools out there that let you run 16 permutations of the same ad. You know, maybe you're changing the graphic, maybe you're changing the headline or the, the text or the call to action. So you come up with the 16 permutations of it and then you run them and they all run at once. And then these tools will help you find out which one actually gets the most engagement. And that's what we mean by experimentation. You may send out an email and it gets very low open rates. Uh, or very low click-through rates. So then you try a different email. Maybe you try a text-only email, or you try to insert some different kinds of graphics, or you change the message, or you change the headline. The important part is those aren't failures. That's just experimentation. And you do have to fight a little bit to get people's attention. And you can't expect that sending out that one email blast about your great product or service uh, is necessarily going to get the attention that you expect it to. But that's not something to be discouraged about. It's like, okay, what worked, what didn't work. And you're never going to know that unless you experiment. Luckily for us as marketers is that there are a lot of tools that help us with that experimentation that make it easy. And that sort of gets back to your point earlier about data and analytics as well, is if you don't have some platform, even as a very small business, you want to make sure that you have a platform where you can track some of this so that you can see the effectiveness of what you're doing. You can go get a 
a free subscription to HubSpot CRM, start to put all your contacts in there, send out emails from there, understand what open rates and click-through rates are, and they don't even charge you for it. So there's no excuse for not using some of this technology to do some of this experimentation and to really start to understand what works and what doesn't. Yeah, that's an excellent distinction. Thanks for making that because that that is that's what it is. I call it split testing. There's all kinds of different you know uh, definitions here, but it's just that. I mean, marketing, like you said, is art and art and science. Really, it's kind of a combination, right? And that's a good. It's a it's an important point to. Um, drive home because there isn't don't we all wish we could put out one ad and it kills it right it's just, right. It's just a, it doesn't happen but like you said you're changing backgrounds you're changing headlines subject lines and emails i know that for sure okay i mean i'm like i can write really good copy but i i'm terrible at the hook yeah right i'm not i'm just not good at all. i don't there's just something in my brain that, you know, I think I'm too much of a skeptic. <laughs> I, just, I can't write a good hook. You know, I think that's what I've decided. That just I'm too much of a skeptic. So I'm, I'm too I'm too jaded by all this marketing. So I, I can't write a good hook. You know, I'm no, just some, some, you know, so I, I I need a good hook writer. You know, yeah. But uh, I can throw a really good left hook because I'm a boxer. But other than that, that's the only that's the only hook I got going for me. Yeah. Uh, but but it's important to understand. I mean, I, I think what we've talked about here today too is there's a lot of levels to this, right, Eric? I mean, you're Absolutely. talking you're talking email marketing and digital marketing. It goes on and on and on, and it's it's really really deep. So, what would you suggest in the beginning? Okay, so I'm here. I come with my company. Eric, I need you to help me. I want you to be my virtual CMO. Let's build a strategy. Kind of what's your basics? I mean, you don't have to be super detailed here, but just kind of one, two, three to, to, to start the process. You know what I mean? What's kind of the first thing you'll look at, then the second, then the third, and then you begin to scale and duplicate after that? Yeah, great question. So just like you talked about, you want to understand who your ideal customer is. What is that avatar, if you will, your ideal buyer? Who is the person, you know, go back to my lawn mowing example before. You may have a very wealthy client that is your your biggest uh, driver of, of, of income, but maybe they also consume most of your time. You could do five lawns that have a higher profit margin than that one with that very picky, uh, uh, wealthy, large estate. So you have to understand where are where is uh, your best market? Who are your target uh, customers within that? And really narrow that down. One of the mistakes I see businesses doing far too often is they just cast way too wide a net, and they don't want to pass up any business. And the problem is when you talk about marketing, the wider the net that you're casting, the more expensive it is, the more the harder it is to do, and the more generic your message has to be to reach that wider audience. What you want to do is you really want to understand who that target customer is. And once you understand that, then you want to say, okay, what does my brand represent? Who am I? How am I different than the rest of the marketplace? And how do I express that in my market messaging? What makes me unique? How can I add value, not a bunch of features about your product or your service, but how is doing business with me going to improve the life in some way of my ultimate customer? And then once you understand that, then you figure out what some proof points are, you figure out how to validate that with your customer, you build out those messages, 
And then once you have all of that put together, then you can start to say, okay, now if this is my target customer and this is my the market that I'm going after, what are the best tools to reach those people? Is it through an email? Is it through a Facebook ad? Is it through a print ad or a mailer, uh, old school stuff? Is it through a billboard? What would it be? And you start to figure out those specific tactics, what those might cost, and then you set your budget appropriately to start doing that. And then what I would say, is that just like we talked about earlier, is you want to engage experts that can help you do that. So maybe you need to redo your website. Yeah, you can hire somebody from Pakistan to do that at probably $5 an hour, but are they going to be the best person to do that in order to get you the results that you need from that site? You might need somebody who's more skilled and more qualified to be able to do that. If you're gonna run Facebook ads, do you really wanna take on the learning curve of understanding how to optimize those ads for that platform? Or do you wanna get somebody involved who does this for a living and can quickly help you get the most effectiveness from your ads. And you know, you can go on and on through any tactic. And so for somebody like me who acts as a virtual CMO for companies, this is what I help them do is build that whole strategy piece and then saying, okay, now these are the things that we need to execute. How can we get the right people in here to do that? Whether it's some combination of external vendors and internal staff, and then manage the execution of that. But you know, you've got to have that plan. You've got to have that strategy. You have to know who you're going after before you can really effectively market. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because I think I, I know this for a fact. Working with businesses that they really don't have their ideal customer dialed in no. to the level they should, and I, I kind of a little little something I'm taking from this. If they could do a little bit of that work before even contacting the marketing people, it, it's going to speed the process. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you you should know this anyways for your business. It's kind of a business one-on-one thing. But you're really, the more you have together on your on your ideal customer, the better a marketing company, a service, service like yours, Eric, is going to be able to help them, right? Oh, exactly. And don't be afraid to look at your competitors. You know, look at it and, you know, go to their website. Because, you know, if you don't have a website, that's that's a problem right there. But go to their website and see, can you tell who they're marketing to? Can you tell who their ideal customer is? Do the messages they say resonate with you? And that can start to get the wheels turning to say, oh yeah, I don't like the way they're positioning this. We would position our company differently. You know, sometimes it's hard to start from a blank sheet of paper. Sometimes it's easier to look at what other people are doing and sort of go backwards from there and say, I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it a little bit more this way. But don't be afraid to go out and see how your competitors are doing and truly understand if they are your competitor or if you are really serving a very different market than they're serving. Yeah, that is so important. I talk about this. Follow the leaders, right? You want to at least examine them and see what they're doing. I mean, if I want to compete with them, I'm not afraid of their size, right? I'm I'm okay with the size. I mean, I just look how they get there. Then, like you said, there's good things, there's bad things. I wouldn't do it this way. I do it that way. But why do they do it that way? Yep. You know, maybe it doesn't mean I'm right about everything. I wouldn't do it that way. Well, I've done. I wouldn't do it that way too. And I've. I've met with failure because <laughs> yep. sometimes your way is not the best way. Okay. Yes. So you want to follow this and have a really good analysis of why they're doing it. And like you said, I love that, that it may, you may realize, Oh, they're not servicing the customer. I want to service. You yeah. Know, if, because if you make mobile phones in your garage, chances are Apple is not your competitor, right? They make, you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of these things. You make 10 a month. 
they are not your competitor, right? Uh, you are going after a very sp uh, specific niche audience. And I think too often people look at the big competitors, the ones that do have that uh, brand recognition, the ones that do have that visibility in the marketplace and say, they are my competition. Well, yeah, sort of, but probably not. You're probably going after a much smaller niche. You're not that big yet. So figure out where you can be successful. Don't go head to head with somebody who's got, you know, millions of dollars to spend on their marketing budget and you're budgeting, you know, $1,000 a month. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. really. And I want to, you know, it's a really good encouragement for smaller and mid-sized businesses that because sometimes they do get they get stuck in comparison, right? They want to compare yeah. to these guys. I mean, maybe you want to be there. That's great. I don't I hope you do, you know, five billion a year in your business. That's great. But the point is, how do you get there? You might have to start out, like you said, in that niche. The riches are in the niches. Right. So stay in there, develop that customer base, then you'll be able to expand from there. But you really need to have a great understanding of your customer. That's what this whole thing, I think, really is about. If you can't start with that, you're going to really have difficulty. And I like the, the wide net approach because I, I consult on that all the time. Like just you can't. OK, where you're at right now, especially where we're at now, you're not you're not Coca-Cola. You're not Pepsi. OK, you're not Target. All right. You just it's not what you offer. That's not who you are. So you've got to you got to bring it back to reality. And then we you know and then we get into talking about, you know, profit, like real money you get to keep, you know, and how you and how you do that. And that's by servicing a niche. Right. And really fulfilling your customers, uh, their needs and solving their problems. And that's all part of the customer avatar. So uh, really good stuff. Eric. Really good. I love it. Yeah. I, I just add to that, that, you know, if I was going to go into the roofing business, I wouldn't want to say that, you know, I live here in Orlando, like I said, I wouldn't want to say we service all of Orlando, we can do, you know, a regular shingle roof, and we can do a metal roof, and we can do, uh, you know, solar tiles, and we can do this, and we can do that. I mean, you're trying to be everything to everybody in a very large market. I would say we are, you know, the number one provider of, you know, this kind of metal roof to this particular area of the marketplace, you know, and, you know, we, we do it better than this you know, because of these reasons, be very, very specific, make your target market small, make your ideal customer small, uh, or focus very small, and then build credibility there, you can add things later. But when you try to be everything to everybody in such a large market, from day one, it is very, very hard to be successful. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, just driving the point home. I mean, we're on the same page with that for sure. It's, it's really, and sometimes people, they, they've got kind of the, they just think that if they offer everything, they'll get more work. And it just doesn't work that way. And there's no data to support that either. You know, I mean, if you really, you talk about data, show me the data that shows you you're all things to all people and how effective that is. Okay. Well, that's right. People are afraid to let any business go. And so they'll say, we'll take anything because, you know, we're just trying to get some momentum. That's not really a good strategy. What you want to do is you want to focus in on your niche and, and keep, keep building it. That's where you're going to get the momentum, not just taking, trying to take anything that comes your way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just... I think we've done it. I think we talked. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> and the people, yep. they, they need to take that. We need to understand because that's how you're going to get caught. That's also how you're going to get cost effective marketing. You oh, know, yeah. you really are. Like, like you said, you're not, it's just too much money to be the all things to all people. It's just, it's so ineffective. Um, so man, awesome. Well, Eric, this has been incredible. You know, I mean, I really, I really enjoy hearing your views on this stuff. It's been super powerful to, to kind of, 
help people kind of narrow down what they're doing here and understand the power of what you actually offer. Um, I think it's, it's a pretty amazing niche yourself to be a virtual CMO is pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. So on that note, how can people get in touch with you? How can they follow you? Let's, let's give them some places to go. So if they want your services or kind of see what you're doing, they can, they can get in touch with you. Hey, thanks very much, Richard. It's been a real pleasure to be on the show today. So uh, you can find me at fiveechelon.com. That's the website. And we talk Mm -hmm. all about our virtual CMO services there. I also host a podcast called The Virtual Mm -hmm. CMO. We are just getting ready to launch a 15-part series on building out a strategic marketing plan. So if you've got marketing people inside your company or interested to how all this stuff comes together, we're going to be walking through it as a masterclass uh, episode by episode. And that's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And people can certainly find me on uh, on LinkedIn or on Twitter at E. Dickman. And that's two N's at the end, D-I-C-K-M-A-N-N. That's great. I'll put all that in the show notes as I do with all my guests. So we'll have that as a reference. That's what I got to tune into the 15 part series, Eric. You just, you just sprung that on me. (laughs) So it's time to subscribe, buddy. It's time to subscribe just for that. That's some value right there, my man. Great. Great. We'd love to have you. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, this has been just, uh, you know, just great. I, I love bringing marketing experts on, you know, people who really know their stuff because there's a lot of not good marketers out there. Okay, I'm being very generous. All right. So we, you know, we, we really want to understand who knows their stuff. Like I tell my people, my academy, we have a marketing section and sales we do, and you don't need to be an expert at it, but you need to have the filter. You need to understand what you should be listening for. Right. And I think conversations like this are going to help people know what they should be listening for when they're being pitched. Right. Because you're always you're going to get a whole lot of pitches. <laughs> There's so much out there. You've got to have that filter. That's exactly right. And and we I also tell people if someone just DMs you, you don't even know. And they say they want to do your marketing. I just don't respond. No. OK, because number one, they're breaking the cardinal rule. They've created no relationship. Right. <laughs> they've done they've done nothing. They just walked up and asked you to marry them. Yeah, that's okay? exactly <laughs> right. It's not happening. So nope. those people you just delete and block. OK. Yep. Yep. You know, so yeah, I, I just, uh, it's funny, you know, it's just a funny world, but if you keep a sense of humor and again, you have some basic knowledge, so you've got a good marketing filter, stuff like we just talked about today, you'll do okay. You know, so I, I do, I do encourage people to get in contact with you and follow you that 15 part series. I'm in. Okay. I'm just, so people should be checking that out. I'm going to push that out when we launch this and uh, make sure they subscribe to your podcast channel too. And uh, again, it's been, it's been a pleasure having you on Eric. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been great to be here. Love talking about marketing and love your passion around all this. So this is great. Thank you so much, Richard. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Top Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like what you've heard, please leave a great review for us. Your subscription and review helps us reach more people so we can show them how to escape the owner prison. Also, check out the links in the show notes about today's guests and more ways to connect with ETOP on social media. Stay strong and keep moving forward with your business.